Welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you live your leanest and healthiest life on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. This is where you'll learn how to thrive on plants, disease-proof your body, and unlock your true inner potential. My name is Maxim Sigoin. I am a former triathlete, bodybuilder, and powerlifter. I have been vegan for nine years and have coached over 300 vegans to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you today to listen to this episode. Let's get into the show. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all having an amazing day. So I have something special for today's episode. I did a live with my good friend, Adam Sud, which I've actually recorded a podcast before if you've ever listened to this episode. And we dove uh, really deep into creating an environment that makes it easy for you to crush your transformation, but also make the right decisions on a day-to-day basis. Adam dropped a lot of knowledge in that live, and it was so valuable that I figured that I'd put it on the podcast that you can benefit from it as well, because it's a little bit on the longer side, I believe it's like 40, 50 minutes for the episode. And so enjoy the upcoming clip of a conversation between myself and Adam on Instagram Live, which again, I do several of them on a weekly basis. So if you guys don't follow me on Instagram yet, be sure to head over there just to get a ton of free and valuable content to help you become a fit vegan, thrive, get lean and tone and enjoy the upcoming clip. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you are all doing well. Really excited for today's live with my man, Adam Sud. Uh, we'll be talking about plant-based fit- fitness, about his journey addiction, training, nutrition, how to properly fuel yourself. Um, so my man, Adam, whenever you're ready, man, let's jump on board. Let's let a few people come in. If you guys are watching the replay, if you do have any questions, be sure to ask them in the comment section below and tag myself or Adam, and then we'll be able to answer those questions for you. Um, and again, if you have any questions throughout the live, be sure to ask them as well here. Let's see, request them in right here. I'm probably gonna have to reframe my thing. There you go. Hey brother, how you doing? How are you, man? Good, man. Nice to see you. You too, bro. I mean, yeah. So how's uh, Texas treating you? Dude, it's nice. You know, I mean, we've, <laughs> we have had our fair share of issues, our, our stuff. We have been in Austin for a month. Our stuff has just left Portland. Too. Oh, shit. So we've had that situation. On. But other than that, like, hey, look, you know, it was 80-something degrees yesterday. I was in shorts and a t-shirt doing a cold plunge in uh, the pool at uh, my place. And yeah, I can't complain. Can't complain. Nice, man. So you basically got a moving truck to like bring everything? Yeah. I mean, so it was it, everything got picked up on the 27th of January and still, still has, it just left. Yeah. They couldn't get a driver for the truck. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice, man. We'll do. I'll be signing in Texas. Whenever I make my way out there, I'll let you know. If you come to LA, definitely let me know. Yeah, man, So I'm, I'm excited to do this live. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too, man. Well, dude, I, I basically, for, for this live, I just want to chat with you and kind of share some knowledge. You know, we're we're like two months in pretty much in, into the New Year's. And, you know, I know your weight loss coach as well. So I definitely want to kind of chat back and forth, provide some value to people because... Some people already gave up on their New Year's resolution. So, you know, talking about going back on track, we had a, an awesome podcast together where we talked about, about environment. And I definitely want to dive back into that. And yeah. so let's just kick it off with, for the people that have fallen off track with New Year's resolution because they don't know how to feel or train themselves, what, what is something that you think would be valuable that you've seen for yourself? So I think there's there's several questions that are being asked when, when we talk about resolutions. Like one is people tend to make a resolution for the entire year. Mm-hmm. 
And what they're trying to do, they'll make some big grand statement about, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, or I'm going to give up. Usually this is what you hear. I'm going to give up X for, you know, for 2022. And there's, there's an issue with that. Number one is, is it realistic and is it necessary to completely remove something in order to achieve, you know, what you're hoping to achieve? So the first thing is, why are you willing? Why are you willing to give up? Like, what value you add? What's the value gain? it. Um, because if, if you don't understand is that you're trying to achieve, then then letting it go doesn't sense. It's yeah. just a thing that you've now removed from your routine. And number two, it's really important to understand what you're going to replace that behavior, food, whatever it is, with. Because mm-hmm. human brain does not enjoy scarcity. So, yeah. Like it really doesn't. We have a psychology of more. And that psychology of more has allowed us to very successfully navigate environments of scarcity throughout our human story. So really what you want to tell yourself is not what are you going to give up? What are you now choosing to do? So like, let's just say if someone says, uh, I want to stop eating refined sugar or refined foods. What you'll want to do is you'll want to define what success actually means for you when you give up. Because really, success may look like, I want to give it up nine times. Yeah. And that would make a phenomenal difference in my health and my ability to show up. And I want to explore what that looks like. So mm-hmm. you want to quantify what does 90% actually mean, right? You want to really get down to specific. You want to know to a very, very high level exactly what you are going to do every single day and every single week. So that this turns into a series of seven-day experiments where you discover patterns of new behavior that either seem moving you in the direction that you want or not, so that you can make necessary adjustments to that needed or say, hey, seems like I may have figured something out here. Looks like if I only find processed products two days a week, I'm able to lose weight. I'm able to run and feel that don't hurt. I can exercise. I can Seems like I've figured something here. I now want now motivated because you've gotten a return on your, your investment. Essentially, your time, energy has given you data. You say, it's like I'm now motivated to see if this is going to work out continually in the long term. Mm-hmm. So fall off of their New Year's resolutions it's because they're, they don't, they didn't want what they were, you know, attempting. But they didn't quantify it to a very real, real specific uh, level so that they know exactly what they're doing. Not what they're not doing. What are they doing every single day and every single week? Yeah, I, lo- I love that. So basically because a lot of people don't, yeah, don't define success. So they never know when they actually hit it. Nobody know what it looks like, right? It's like, I, I want to lose weight. Five what? pounds, 10 pounds, 100 pounds. Like how much you want to How much you want to lose, right? Yeah. Okay, how am I going to do? By what measure am I going to be getting into a calorie deficit? You know, a slight calorie deficit and moving my. How does this? How does this play out? How can I now understand what my you know hypothetical solution is? How do I measure it? How do I track it? How do I make what seems to work easier over time, convenient over time? If you don't give yourself the opportunity to measure and adjust those variables, it's just not going to work for you. You can't, you can't get motivation. Yeah, I love it. It's very, it's a very data-driven answer, and I'm the same way. Right? It's not an emotional-based decision and emotional-based action. It's very data-driven. Of like, hey, let's just look at the data. Are we heading in the right direction? Are we going to hit the metrics? What do we need to do to hit them? 
Yeah, you know, I think that people tend to, they personalize their success on terms of like, let's say weight loss, or just, hey, I want to eat a plant-based diet, or hey, I want to gain muscle, and then they'll do something. And it doesn't seem to be moving in the way that they want it to move in terms of their progress. And then they say, oh, I failed. Yeah, It's too hard. I can't do it. But what really is most likely taking place is that the obvious right solution that you found, which is eat more plants, move your body, focus on protein, lift weights, whatever it is, you didn't implement systems into your environment that make doing that new thing easier rather than how do I get enough willpower to do it because it's hard, mm-hmm. right? So the idea that success is a willpower and self-discipline game when really what they need to do is find really disciplined systems that allow them to be successful, whether they're motivated or not. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. There's two paths I want to go down with what you shared. <laughs> so, right, like finding the methodology that would allow you to get the goal. Because if you say eating more plants and you're, if you're eating more plants and you're working out and your weight's not dropping, you didn't fail the methodology you're using. So maybe if you just look at everything you're doing and we look at nutrition, it's like, hey, let's just up the protein, for example, because they're half under eating and then they adjust that and the weight starts dropping. Yeah. It's never about you failing. It's about like what methodology you're using and is it bringing you to where you want to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very common. Well, there's a story that's being, that's a narrative that's being written and it has been written for a long time that, oh, if you just eat plant, you lose weight. Well, that's not <laughs> Yeah. Complete nonsense. Uh, it's not a magic diet. You know, it requires attention and it requires planning in an appropriate manner, like all other dietary protocols, depending on your goals, your current stage of life, and where you're starting from and where you're hoping to go to. Mm-hmm. A plant based diet is not immune to these necessities, okay? So if you just plan to go, well, I didn't lose weight, this must work. What, what I would ask you, okay, can you now tell me exactly what you, when you're eating, how much you're, and what you're moving, how much you are moving? And then let's find out why your system hasn't allowed successful with ease. Mm-hmm. You're not the problem. The system didn't allow you to be successful with enough ease for you to want to do it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fucking love it. I, that's why people need coaches because, it, you know, obviously compliance is one thing because people can build their own system and then follow it and then look at the data as to why it's not working and then adjust to make the system work for them. And continue adjusting until it works or you can bring on a coach that's like hey i have a proven system for you like you know if people work with you you're like hey i know yeah. how to do this you know how to do this come in here's the system the only thing we need to worry about is compliance because if you follow it it works we just look at the data we make adjustments and then we make sure you get there exactly and you know because what works in the first three three months may not be what necessarily works the next three months yeah so it's a continual evolution of saying Hey, how does this pattern of behavior seem to be allowing me to see success in a time frame that feels good to me, that allows me to feel successful? And if it stops being successful in terms of like, you know, your progress, or we don't change you, we change the pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Like that's so important because especially within the wellness collective of social media, you'll certainly hear things like just eat celery, just drink celery juice every morning. Or you take this supplement, blah, 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 blah. Or the healthiest is this. Or acai berries are a superfood. And it's like, what what bothers me so much about that? Or say things like, did you know that like oil is bad for you? Yeah. Refined sugar is bad for you. And my problem with this is that it's content that lacks all context. Mm -hmm. 
And this sells people on the idea that there will be a single decision made at any time, in any frequency, and in any quantity that will lead them to success or fail. Yeah. What people need to understand is it will always be the quality of your dietary and behavior patterns over the course of time that allow you to be successful with what you want. Mm-hmm. Not the single, it's the collection of foods, right? So I, I eat a very healthy plant-based a whole food plant diet, right? But it's by no means that anyone eats. Like I guarantee someone eats healthier than me, but I can guarantee 90% or more of my decisions around food and movement every week look like my goal. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know that is because I'm not messing around. I have very clear goals and very clear vision of what I want to achieve with my body and my health. And I have mapped out a pattern behavior that moves me in that direction. And I hold myself accountable to those decisions 90% of the time or more. Any less than that, and it just makes things harder for me more yeah. than I want. Period. End of story. Yeah, makes the process longer for for no for no reason. For no reason, exactly. And yeah. the thing I like about this is, you know, we're what we can't do is make anything less than perfect a failure. Yeah, really can't do that. So people who think that they they've fallen off their resolution, no, 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 no. You've discovered that the means by which you are trying to get that don't work well enough for you. Yeah. So what we now need to do is say, hey, how do we make it easier for you to be successful? If giving up sugar entirely is unreasonable to ask of you, right? Give up sugar 70% of the time. My goodness, what a difference. Give up, you know, give up or choose something other than what you had been doing in a greater frequency and greater quantity than you had been in the past and watch what happens. It's not, I mean, honestly, who's grading your paper? You are. So like, yeah. why do you, you know, why do you care about the society standards and solutions? You have to stop it. Oh, this who? Yeah. Yeah. Re- redefining what perfection is, right? That's a big, that's a big one I have with my members. Like, you know, 90% is perfection. Like whatever you think, like hundred percent perfect all the time, you'll hit your, your calories, your macros, you'll eat all the right food. You'll do every training. You'll feel good for every training. Yeah. That's unrealistic. You know, like, shit, we've been doing this for years and we still don't feel good on all of our training. We still want to have something else in what's whole foods. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing is, if you're seeing, if you're seeing progress towards your goal, that's the only thing to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. For this, before you, before you worry about like, cause there, again, what we see all the time is lose 30 pounds in 30 days, lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Through this, you hear this marketing story that sort of creates an expectation of what your journey should look like. Throw that shit away. You are not in a race with anybody. There's no fast pace. There's no slow pace. There's only your pace. Mm-hmm. There is not some imaginal, uh, imaginary person sitting there with a stopwatch going, if this person doesn't reach their goal in the next three months, they can never do this again. They're out of the race. That person, yes. does, however you get there, is how you get there. What's important is that you, while you're getting there, you clearly identify the decisions that made it easier to do it. Yeah. And closing your life. You yeah. keep closing your life until your goals change. Yeah. The the thing with that is like it plays so much on like the psychology of humans of like, I'm looking for this one, one tip, one trick that's going to like prevent me from doing all the hard work. And right. so it was like lose 30 pounds in 30 day things. Like they'll come in and there'll be a very small percentage of people that will be compliant enough to actually reach that goal. And the rest of the people are going to be like, well, I'm not good because I didn't lose 30 pounds in 30 days. But like the reality of transformation is when you start the process, you're, you, you have to confront so much dark shit of yourself as to like yeah. why you 
be compliant with food, why you can't be compliant with nutrition. And so yeah, that process, that journey is different for so many people. Some might take three, some might take six months, some might take a year because they have more stuff in front. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because, you know, I've coached over 500 people and um, I've worked with people who who their weight loss, like a lot of people have coached, have coached for weight loss, have coached people specifically for diabetes health, have coached want to put on muscle. But for the people who want to lose weight, some people it took six months, some people it took a year. But not one of those people, when they were finally at the end of their journey, did they say to me, I wish it had happened faster. Yeah. Not one of them. Every single one of them was empowered by the fact that they had figured it out. They had figured it out how to do it, how to do it over time, and how to love what has allowed them to do it. And that is so important. If you can just forget about the finish line. Yeah. Forget about the finish line. Focus on what is required to keep you moving forward and then fall in love with that. Oh my goodness, you're going to reach the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, fifth, and every goal you want in your life. Because the goal, the secret here is not how do I get to the end of the race? It's how do I love racing? Yeah. How do I love this thing of being in the gym? How do I love this thing of running on a trail? How do I love this thing of putting plants on my plate? How do I love what allows me to be successful so much so that when confronted with the opportunity to do differently, your answer is why in the world would I want to do that? I love, yeah, I love, um, so there's something that I tell my members and that correlates to that, like enjoying the process, but who you're becoming in the process. And when a lot of people get at the end and they're like, I wouldn't have done it any faster is because yeah. they become the person that can sustain that. And what I tell my members is like, if you come to me and you want to lose 40 pounds and I snap my fingers, and I make you lose 40 pounds. I can promise you that you're going to put it on really quickly because you're, you don't have the habits and the skills and the mindset to sustain yeah. that fat loss and to carry it off forever. Yeah, and there was no value given to them. You simply delivered them a solution without an understanding of how they do that in their life. The value is in knowing what works and then connecting to it, right? Like anybody, like, you know, at the end of the day, like we could take somebody, we could put them in a medical ward and we could feed them a diet that you and I eat and we could, you know, have them do the workouts that you and I do and they will likely be successful. And then we'd say, go home. And if they, but if they weren't given the opportunity to love it, and I think loving it comes from those moments when you're asked of yourself to say, willing to keep doing this, even when it's hard. And especially when it's hard, because anybody can do something when they great. Yeah. Anybody can do something when they feel great, when it's their best day ever. You and I could go have the best workout of our life when it's the, when we feel the best we can feel. But it's those moments when we are not at our best, when we are potentially at our lowest and we do it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, like in martial arts, they say, you don't train to win the fight on your best day. You train to fight on your worst. Oh, I love that. So if you think about it like that, if you can learn to love it so much that even when it's hardest to do, still want to do it, you've won, period. Mm-hmm. And if you're not at your goal weight or your goal distance and running or whatever it is, you've won. You'll get there. Believe me. Yeah. Because if you love it and you consistently show up, it's just yeah. a matter of time at that point. Yeah. You can't, you, you, there, if there's nothing that convince you to stop trying, you're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the example you shared, putting yourself in medical ward and, you know, feeding, training nutrition. But then also the reality is like you're in that bubble. And if you put you back into society where your partner's not feeling well, your kids are sick, there's a last minute emergency, you haven't been trained to navigate these different scenarios and therefore you can't sustain it, right? Because you were basically yeah. in the perfect environment for you to succeed. 
Yeah, exactly. So, and that's the thing. That's why, you know, that's where coaches really come in handy because, you know, you and I probably together, we've probably been doing this for close to 20 years combined. Um, So we've been through it all. We've, we've been through it all. And frankly, if someone was saying, came to me and said, I'm going through a fantasy, you know, what do I do about tracking? I go, don't track. Like, just do your best. You're not going to undo anything that can't be undone. That can't be undone. Don't break anything. Yeah. You make the smart decision, then you come back to your tracking. That's yeah. what you, you know, and, and that's this is where coaches really come in come in handy because they give you permission to know that there's no sense in believing that if you're not a hundred percent, you're not winning. Like a ninety on every test is a straight A student. Yeah. So if we can get an A minus, which is ninety percent. Every single day, we're going to win. We're going to get an A in the class. That's all this, that's all this required. I don't need to get a hundred percent on every test to get an A in class. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I love it. I'll even bring you lower than that, man. Canada is 60%. If you get 60%, you pass through class. If you pass, pass, through class. pass enough, you, you, you graduate. Yeah. Exactly. Just pass the class. <laughs> hey, I, I, I was, a, I was a C student. I was an A student. I finished all of it. I got by. <laughs> I got by. <laughs> Got it done. Dude, I want to talk about environment. We brought it up a bit earlier. We talked about it a little bit more in depth on our podcast, but how important does environment, what's the role of environment when it comes to being able to, you know, New Year's resolution, crushing goals, transformation? How important is that? It's more than likely the most important variable. So we have to understand that, again, you know, what we want to do is not employ discipline, willpower, self-control all the time in order to be successful. Okay, that's an exhausting experience. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a, an analogy, sort of a story that sort of demonstrates what I'm talking about. If anybody here is eating a plant-based diet, or, or and you'll know this, and if, you, if I was to take out to a restaurant, and it's a standard American Western style restaurant, and I said, the menu, what do you want to eat? You would look at it start to do is you start to employ a lot of discipline, a lot of energy, investigate the environment, which is the menu, in order to figure out how am I actually going to do this? Because this menu does not look like my goals. Mm-hmm. And you probably find some potato in this recipe, uh, okay, you use brown rice in this recipe, and you call the waiter over and you say, here's what I want. I notice that you serve brown rice in some of the recipes. I know you serve potatoes. I know you serve beans. Can you put those on a plate for me? cook them and make that successful for me. It requires a lot of attention, a lot of willpower and discipline in order to outcome the menu. Mm-hmm. Now I take you from that restaurant to a restaurant that is an entirely healthy plant and I give you the menu. 90% of that menu looks exactly like your, for how you want to eat. It might be a little square at the bottom right side. That's where the high calorie, high fat desserts are. And you might have to be like, not today on that one, but there's a lot of amazing successful choices here it's mm-hmm. easy for you yeah how very easy for you to make a choice that is aligned with your values and your priorities if you, for the people who are listening what does your home look like does your home look like the first menu or does it look like the second because if it looks like the first menu in order to be successful you're going to have to employ that same amount of tension that same amount of discipline if you're having to outcompete your own environment in order to be successful, it's going to be too difficult to do that in the long term. But if your environment makes it easy for you to be successful, meaning that the only choices or the majority of choices mm-hmm. look like your goals, you're going to be successful whether you're disciplined or not. That is so important. It is always easier 
to be self-disciplined when your environment doesn't require you to depend on it, mm-hmm. right? Then what you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, I've made my home environment look like my goals. So I want to eat a, a plant-based diet that's rich in protein, rich in carbohydrate, and, and low to moderate amounts of fat. What I need to do is make it easier for me to eat in this environment. How do I make it convenient? How do I make it repeatable? How do I make it enjoyable? Batch cooking so that I'm baking a potato every single meal. I'm baking 10 potatoes on Sunday night. Then when I want a potato, I just go to the fridge, take it out and microwave it up, sauce it, season it, put some lentils on it and go to town. You know, you have to level the modern food environment has made it unbelievably easy and unbelievably convenient for you to get an insane amount of calories. Yeah. Way more calories than have ever existed per bite in human history. Okay. If you can't level the field, meaning make your new food behaviors as convenient and easy as the old, meaning if it takes you more time and more effort to eat the new way as it did the old, you're going to do the old. You're going to do the old more often than you want. It's human nature. So there's a part of evolutionary psychology speaks to this. So what I'll say is, uh, Max, if you and I travel back in time, 10, 20, 30,000 years, um, we found ourselves in, what we would do is we would find ourselves in a scarcity. Mm-hmm. That is, resources were hard to come by. Food was not guaranteed. We had to go get the food environment was competitive because we weren't the only ones looking for those calories. There wasn't like a grocery store that would restock the supply if it ran out. So it was competitive. You and I were competing against other humans and other animals that ate the same calories as us. And it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. We far we'd have to go to get calories. Sometimes we had to go places we didn't that weren't familiar to us. And sometimes in that competition for calories, there might be a dangerous exchange. Yes. The environment was scarce, competitive, and dangerous. If we didn't have some kind of internal mechanism that allowed us to identify what choice had the most calories per bite so that we needed to spend less time eating and less time gathering in order to feed us and ourselves, we would lose. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have an internal mechanism that said, this choice gives us more calories for less time and less energy, we wouldn't have made it here. That mechanism yeah. is dopamine. Dopamine is a dose-responsive reward-pleasure chemical that responds to the number of calories per bite in food. So if you and I went out and we saw, and to the left of us, there was a blue, a, a, a bag, like let's say, a pile of blueberries. Mm-hmm. Right, there was a, a pile of cashews. We bit into the blueberries. We would get a sensory response that says, huh, this feels, this feels somewhat successful. This is pretty good. And then we went and took a handful of cashews and we bit. We would get another sensory response that said, holy shit, that successful choice. There's mm-hmm. far more. There is literally 10 times as many calories per bite that choice than in that choice. Don't even look over there anymore. Get those cashews and bring them back. Okay, yeah. you'll feed more people with less time and less energy. Yeah. Or back to present day. And within the last 100 years, there's been a phenomenal shift in the caloric environment. Because not now there's more calories per bite than have ever existed in human history. There's foods that high salt, high, high sugar all at the same time that doesn't exist in nature. So you're triggering three dopamine pathways that have never been triggered at the same time in human history. And that guidance system, that dopamine guidance system that helps us to identify the more calorie dense decision and see it as success has no understanding the shift has happened. Yeah. None whatsoever. And so literally our guidance system is designed to direct us towards any 
food choice that seems like it would be successful in an environment of scarcity, even though now we're in an environment of abundance. So we, ha- we are competing against something that is very, very difficult. This guidance system was crafted, perfected, and over thousands and thousands of years to get us to do exactly what we think is our own fault when we can't stop doing it. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're yeah. fighting an internal wiring that is rooting basically for us, but technically against us because of the overabundance of calorie. And that just shows that like, it just comes down to creating that environment for yourself because the world is not creating it for you. Yeah. It also tells you that the problem isn't you. The problem is, and always has been your environment. Mm -hmm. Sorry. If your environment has too many foods from the modern environment in it, you're going to be compelled to eat foods more often than you want. It's not your fault. It's your body doing exactly what it's designed to do. What you need to do is make your home environment look a lot like the natural food environment. If you do that, you're more successful over the course of time. Outcompete environments outside home. Don't make your home where you have to really outcompete. Yeah, because you, you shared something with me on, on our podcast and it kind of resonates to, to, to what you're saying. Like, even if you grab, which I would consider us to be very disciplined people because of the lifestyle that we live. You talked about like if we if we put each other like in a house where there's only junk food available and everyone everyone around you is very negative, doesn't want to work out and talks you down. Like eventually you'll get tired of fighting an environment and you'll just give in, even for two people that are extremely disciplined. Yeah, you can only you can only outcompete choices with willpower for a certain period of time. Eventually, you're just going to end up engaging in the in the behaviors that are easiest to engage in. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're hardwired to do that. We're hardwired to find the easiest, most convenient path to the most pleasure possible. Yeah, right? it's not your fault if you're not successful. It's your system that's not allowing you to be successful with an ease. That's what it is. And your first should always be your environment. You need to make your environment look like. So if so, if we're going to talk about people that um, you know have fallen off kind of New Year's resolution that have a hard time getting back on track and potentially feel like they're in a rut, then the first step would technically be to be looking at is is your environment serving you? Yeah, is your environment making it easy enough, or or is it still difficult? Is it as difficult now as it was when you first started? This everybody should constantly be evaluating how do I make this easier? How do I make this easier? How do I make this more convenient? How do I make this more repeatable? I mean, that's something that I do for myself pretty much all the time. I'm looking to find ways to make what I want easier for me to get, not by willfully and, and using enough self-discipline in order to outcompete the hard of it, but changing things in my environment or the tactics that I make what's hard easier for me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, for the people listening that are feeling potentially a bit of in a rut or they're feeling like they've gone off track understanding that there's an internal wiring that is basically conspiring for them, but technically against them. And that yeah. the place that they should look at is their environment and how can they create an environment that is conducive to them doing the right things and habits that would bring into their goal. Okay. You, you, you've got to know how to make, like I said, you've got to know how to, how do you make it easier to do the healing and successful thing? And part of that is again, really reevaluating why you're willing to do it on a regular basis because your why your that that thing that's firing you to discover what's possible change and that's okay right start you might say oh I, you know 
I, I want to be around for my family. Well, well, yeah, of course you do. Everyone does. Yeah. Most do. Okay. That's, that's great. Let's go a little, level, a little deeper on that. Let's, let's continue to investigate why. Why do you want to be around for your family? Well, because my family means the world to me. I love them. And okay, great. That, that's deeper. Now you're saying it because, not because you're there for your family, you're doing it because your family is a loving and meaningful bond in your life that you don't do this, right? Now it's a little more clear. Now it's a little more described to you. That loving and meaningful bond in my life that gives me the experience of being alive in a meaningful way is threatened unless I do this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm clear. Now yeah. I'm do the work. Um, I, I, I'd love to jump in the nitty gritty of that, of like, so with your years of experience and having done it for yourself and having helped your client with that, creating that, that, that environment that would be conducive to you succeeding, what have you noticed that are like the main ones that show up from a nutrition standpoint and from a training standpoint, just so that the people listening have some actionable things to look into for themselves? Yeah, you know, the number one that you hear is that you, you hear, I want to, I want, you know, I want to be, well, funny enough, most of your negative consequences. I don't want diabetes. I don't want to be on medicine. I don't want to end up in the hospital. Okay, great. Of course you don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. But negative consequences do not inspire change. Okay. What those negative consequences are telling you is that there is something about yourself and your life that is meaning so meaningful and so important and it's being threatened. Okay. And those loving and meaningful bonds that are being threatened, that's what you have to focus on. That's going to be your why. It isn't the negative consequence. It's what's being threatened by the negative. So first I would say, okay, so you don't want to, you don't want diabetes. Well, no one does. Why don't you want diabetes? And they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose a limb. You know, I, don't, I could lose my eyesight. I'm like, okay, so why is that important? Why wouldn't you want to lose your eyesight? Why wouldn't you want to lose them? No one wants to lose those things. Why don't you? Well, because then, you know, it would be hard on my family. They'd have to take care of me. Why don't you want your family to take care of you? Well, and what they end up getting to is because I would rather be lovingly engaging with them mm-hmm. than someone who has to be cared for. I want to be the one actively a part of their life. Okay. And so it, and, and, and from the big overarching existential why that's, that's, that's important. But I also ask clients to identify what is it about their day tomorrow that will be better if they did this new thing. And a lot of people, because uh, a lot of people I work with have a lot of weight to lose. They'll say, I just don't want to be in pain when I stand up. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why don't you want to be? No one wants to be in pain because moving allows me to enjoy life more. Mm-hmm. That's a daily value add. Look, every time, if someone is substantially overweight, lose five pounds, you'll feel it. Mm-hmm. If you take five pounds of weight off of somebody's joints that are in pain, oh my goodness, what a difference that makes. All five-minute walk that hurts, 10-minute walk that doesn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, that means every day or every other day, you get to spend 10 minutes walking with your son. Or you could walk your daughter down the aisle at her wedding. These valuable moments are now available to you. Mm-hmm. And you tomorrow, if you get to work now. And so I definitely like identifying that why. And so basically identifying, going back to like, I don't know, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, but people don't change unless there's like a, a pain, right? The pain is greater. That's going to force people to change. And so right. digging down deep makes them see that there, hey, there is pain to not being able to do this, right? And there's pleasure in being able to do that. Yeah, you know, I think that that we have a profound willingness to not want to understand pain in our culture. Mm-hmm. We have a, a desire to to insult it, to look at it as failure 
rather than a signal that is giving us really important information about what the trajectory of our life might look like. Yeah. And if we can reevaluate what pain actually means, see it as a valuable and meaningful piece of data that can allow us to see a greater understanding of the picture in front of us, then yeah. we can make really smart, specific decisions about how we, sh- how we might be living our lives. Yeah, we do, we do tend to numb pain as a society. So we do eliminate that valuable feedback that could allow us to improve. Yeah, absolutely. And so for people that are struggling with, like, for example, like talking about fat loss, meal prepping, doing their workout, what are things that they can look at from a, from an environment slash system point of view? Yeah. It would be to observe what would need to be shifted. Yeah. So what you want to do is it's, it's great if you end up coming in and over the course of a year, someone who cooks and preps and chops. I mean, I think that's great, but it's not necessary to start. Mm-hmm. What you do is figure out how do I get this stuff onto my plate as quickly and as conveniently as possible? Getting frozen vegetables uh, is a phenomenal way to do that. Buying waveable grains mixes like the rice and quinoa and grains mixes that you can just pop in the microwave uh, and just get on your plate as quickly as possible is a phenomenal way to be successful. On Sunday night, before you start watching Inventing Anna on Netflix, uh, all you've got to do is hit pause, go put 10 potatoes in the oven, set it to 400 degrees for 55 minutes, watch your show when it's done. You now have two potatoes a day, Monday through Friday, ready to go. Yeah. Now, remember, this didn't cost you any time. You weren't active observing these potatoes being cooked. They were, it was passive preparation. You, you were already going to watch the show. You still got to watch the show. You just tapped five minutes beginning and five minutes on to the end to put them in and then put them in containers and put them in the fridge. Yeah. So that it's easy for you to go into the kitchen. You take that potato out, you put it on your plate. You take some frozen veggie mix, you put it on your plate. Some frozen grains mix, you put it on your plate. You get a, a can of lentils, you open it up, you put some on your plate. You put it in the microwave for 90 seconds, you take it out, you put some sauce and some seasoning, and then you go. Yeah. Also, you need to say to yourself, all right, what do my meals look like? Don't wake up without a plan, okay? Don't wake up hoping to figure out the successful decision. Figure out the successful decision before the week starts. Know exactly what you're going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, Monday through Friday. Then the only reason to go into the kitchen is to prep with confidence what you already know meets your calorie target, your macro targets, and your taste targets with unbelievable success. You cook, you leave, you eat, you come back in, you clean, sleep. The kitchen is only a place for you to go into when you're doing what you've already decided and already figured out is going to make you successful. This is what you need to do. And you need to just think, I don't need to do this for the rest of my life. What I want to do is see what potential exists if I can do it for seven straight days. Because I know if you do it for seven straight days, you're probably going to see a little bit of weight loss. You're going to feel better. And yeah. those, those that, that data feedback is going to motivate you to say, I wonder what it's going to feel like if I do it again. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't, I, don't, I don't need you to do this for the rest of your life. I need you to do this for the next seven days. Yeah. So committed to a smaller time frame is going to help people to stay more motivated, committed, get some feedback. Yeah. You know, the human brain really can't conceptualize beyond six weeks. Yeah. Uh, so like if I was to say to you, let's say that you'd never eat a plant-based diet in your life. And I was like, hey, Max, I want you to uh, eat a plant-based diet for the rest of your life. Whether you know it or not, right now, your brain is trying to conceptualize what that looks like, mm-hmm. how much that requires, how much resources that requires, and how am I going to figure this out? And it can't. And so it gets overwhelmed. And it's like, I don't know how to do this. And then you place that on, you place that story of, I don't know how to do this 
onto the rest of your life and then you usually end up giving up. Actually, what I want you to do is I want you to eat, I want you to eat starches, whole grains, legumes, fruits, and greens for the next seven consecutive days. Your brain is like, okay, I can figure that out. What that looks like is oatmeal for breakfast. I, I, okay, I'll get seven days worth of oatmeal. I'll get seven days worth of potatoes and, and I'll get like 10 cans of beans. I'll go get like a bunch of bananas and apples. It's already very, it can, you can come up with a very clear understanding of the resources required to be successful. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to take me about 10 minutes to make each meal. Won't be that, all right, has a clear understanding. It can conceptualize the time. All of a sudden, this feels safe. Yeah. This feels like something you can do because you can actually see what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm making it overall. So that might also be the issue with some of the New Year's resolution. It's like a year is a long time frame to be like, hey, I'm going to do this for a year and conceptually not knowing what it's going to look like. It's a very long time frame. And it's also like, look, I don't need, unless you do seven straight days, you can't do a year, right? Yeah the first seven days anyway. So I always like to say you're what you're doing is you're designing a series of seven day experiments where you end up discovering how you can be successful over the course of time. Because the way that you do it may not look exactly like I may not look exactly like Max does it. It may not look like exactly like the other people that you may follow do it, but it's going to be within the same house. Yeah. Housed within a container of plant-based nutrition, and your the things that you love to eat and repeat, they're slightly different than ours, and that's okay because mm-hmm. we're all living in the same container that allows us to be successful. But you got to figure out what your container, what your little niche within that container looks like. Yeah. So yeah, coming reevaluating and then continuing yeah. another seven days, just coming for another seven, and yeah. and then moving forward, a more confident for one week, and then you try smoothies for the next week, and you go, man, smoothies for me. And just makes it a lot easier. Or you might be the person going, yeah, I did the smoothies, but man, I, I think I like the oatmeal better. Great. You just figured out something that you know, no matter what, if you try something and it doesn't work, you're just going to go, oh, well, I'll just go make oatmeal because I know that works. Way to go. Yeah. I love that because that's, that's such a big thing. People think it's so complex to eat plant-based, but like after you've been for a while and you notice everything is like a different iteration of oatmeal, overnight oats, smoothie, Buddha bowl, stir fryer sandwich. I know like if people actually came and lived with us for one week, they'd be like, dude, these guys are boring as shit. Like you, we don't make gourmet. Meals. Like when you start off, like you're like, oh yeah, I'm vegan. You want to make these crazy things, and then after a while, it's like I just need to eat food. I have other things to do. Yeah, no, no. I mean, my, I, I'm, I, I eat a lot of the same things over and over again. Like I, I ate oatmeal every morning for like eight straight years, and only recently have I now switched to bowls of nice cream that I make like my vanilla protein nice cream, which is fantastic. Nice. Gosh, it's uh, uh frozen. Two cups of frozen wild blueberries, a frozen banana, a scoop and a half of uh, vanilla protein powder, PB fit powder, and then just water. Yeah. It's super creamy. It's got like 45 grams of protein and all the antioxidants your body could tolerate. It's amazing. <laughs> Do you use the, there's a machine called a Yonana? There is one, but that doesn't allow you to mix powders into it. So I make it oh, in okay. a... So you say food processor? Yeah, like a, a Vitamix. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, yeah. yeah. Love nice cream. It's so freaking good. <laughs> well, I, I got to go in the next two minutes. Cool. I, got- I have to go to, I have to pee. I've been on call for like five hours straight. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say my massive thank you for just taking the time to, to jump on the live and provide so much value. I was seeing the comments go through. People really enjoyed it, got a lot of value from it. And so I do want to say for everyone that's not following Adam yet, definitely be sure to follow him. If you want some coaching, be sure to reach out to him. He's fucking amazing. I'm um, sorry, I swore, but he's really amazing. Yeah, I do be it sure all- to have a conversation with him. 
Thank you, man. And listen, I really, really appreciate you uh, uh, asking me to come on and do this. Any, any time, any bro, you know, part of the vegan strong squad. So if you guys notice, if you follow me, see him tagged in almost uh, in a story every single day because we like to motivate and inspire each other in the gym. Um, and so you'll get to see things that I do in the gym, things that he does, food, all that stuff. So kind of like this big click of, of, of people that are trying to inspire everyone to do better. So it's great, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. And dude, when you come to LA, if I ever make out Texas, I want my podcast you record one in person. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. Take care, brother. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Lucky Segoin and on YouTube at FitVegan. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.